Hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So thankful that you're listening today to the broadcast. And uh, for the next two days, today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about the subject of humility. As a matter of fact, I've entitled it 12 Steps Toward Gaining Humility. So this is probably one of those broadcasts that you're thinking, well, maybe I should change the dial right now. Uh, You know, it seems like there's no virtue in being humble, but I, I want you to know there is strength in humility. You know, a pastor in India was confronted angrily by a man in his office one day. Now, this man made many unfair, untrue accusations against the pastor. After finishing his angry outburst, the man asked the pastor what he had to say. In response, the pastor got up from his chair, walked over to the washroom next door, filled an empty basin with water, and came back into the room. The angry man was surprised when he saw the basin of water and asked, well, what's that for? The pastor replied that even though the accusations were not true, that since the person was nevertheless upset with him, he felt the right thing to do was for him to ask for forgiveness. He then offered to wash the man's feet. What happened then was that the man broke down in tears at this act of humility, and he opened up his heart to the Lord. You see, the pastor's humility was shown to be a strength and not a weakness. You know, one of the most important characteristics or traits of a Christian is that he needs to cultivate humility. You see, true humility stands out as a powerful strength instead of a weakness, and it always pleases God. Peter put it this way, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Well, let's talk about the steps of gaining humility. Number one, If I really want to walk in humility, I've got to routinely confess my sin to God. You know, all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. However, too few of us have a routine, a practice of rigorous and self-honest examination. You see, weekly, even daily, review our hearts and our behaviors coupled with confession to God. It is an essential practice of humility. In Luke chapter 18, we had this wonderful parable that Jesus gave. Jesus told them a parable. He says, some who trusted in themselves, they were the righteous, and they treated others with contempt. And he says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like that other man. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He said, man, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector standing far off wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he began to beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. And he continued on praying as he talks about the mercy of God. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So routinely confess your sins. Now listen, when you were saved, God saved you from the past, the present, and the future sins. But your life is slowed down when you don't routinely confess your sins. It kind of weighs us down. It doesn't change the fact that we're saved, but it changes the fact that we're out of fellowship with God. And maybe one of the best ways to understand this is by looking at marriage. 
Now, my wife and I are very fortunate. We've been blessed with 33 years of marriage. And it's been so wonderful to be married to my wife. And and we are so fortunate that we've had godly examples. Uh, As I'm recording this broadcast right now, uh, my wife's dad is having hip replacement surgery. Uh, He's 75 years old. And uh, he and his wife have been married 56 years. Uh, So I've got a wonderful example in my wife's family of longevity in marriage, but I also have a wonderful example in my own family. Now, my dad passed away over 20 years ago. I was a relatively young man when my dad passed away. But you know, when my dad passed away, he and my mom had been married over 40 years. Uh, So if my dad were still alive today, and thankfully my mom's still, still alive, she's in her 80s, she's doing very well. If my dad were still alive today, he'd be in his 90s, and he'd be celebrating over 60 years of marriage. Unbelievable. Well, how do we have strong relationship with God? How do we walk in humility? We must routinely confess our sins to God. Number two, if you want to gain humility, you've got to acknowledge your sin to others. You see, humility before God is not complete unless there's also humility before men. A true test of your willingness to humble yourself is a willingness to share with others the weakness that we confess to God. You know, wisdom, however, dictates that we do so with others that we trust. So we don't just acknowledge our sins before everybody. Uh, This is with people that we trust. James 3 verse number 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle that whole body. So we're all going to slip up from time to time, but we must deal with it. We can become more complete as we confess our sins. And then James reminds us in 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we acknowledge our sins to God first, but then we acknowledge our sins to others. We say, Lord, I-, I need somebody to help me through this time. And so you say to this friend that you trust, this brother, this sister in Christ, would you pray for me as I try to get victory over this sin that I am confessing? We could call this accountability, right? And we all need accountability in our lives. I remember many years ago, I sat down with a couple and, and they were uh, wanting to join our church. And they said, you know, before we join Hickory Ridge Community Church, I, I want to know what kind of accountability you have in, in place, Pastor. Who do you answer to? And, and so I was so glad that I was able to say to this wonderful couple, I said, well, you know, we have pastors and elders and deacons at Hickory Ridge Community Church. And I said, I have made myself accountable first and foremost to my wife. I said, my wife is uh, the one that will keep me accountable. And I, and I started, I, I kind of joke around a little bit about it. I says, you know, you don't have to worry about me being unfaithful uh, because if I'm ever unfaithful to my wife, uh, she doesn't believe in divorce, but she does believe in murder. And so she'll take me out of here, okay? And so I'm saying, I'm accountable to my wife. I love my wife and she loves me. But I said, I'm also accountable to our elders. Our elders can ask me the tough questions and, and often they do. And that's a two-way street. And I ask them, the tough questions, and I'm so thankful that I can confess my shortcomings to my elders and they can pray over me. You know, we all need that person in our life, those people in our lives that we can walk in humility with by confessing our sins. And then number three, if you want to gain humility, you've got to take wrong patiently. You see, when something unjust is done to us, we tend to react and we tend to to, to rectify it. You know, I used to have this philosophy in life. 
Burn me once, you're a fool. Burn me twice, I'm a fool. And I ain't no fool, you're not going to get me. Uh, that used to be my philosophy in life. I, I would let you get me one time. It's okay. You got me that one time. You're a fool for doing it because you're not going to get me again. I got thinking about that. You talk about a, a humanistic philosophy in life. That's it right there. Those who walk in humility take wrong patiently. Peter says, 1 Peter 3, 8, and this is down, verses down to 17. Peter says, finally, all of you have unity in mind. Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil or rivaling for rivaling, but on the contrary, bless those who are persecuting you. Whoever desires to live life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil, let him do good, let him seek peace, and let him pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are open to his prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for doing what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Wow. This is a tough passage to live up under. I want you to know the only way that you can take wrong patiently is that you must be walking in humility. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, number four, if you want to walk in humility, you must actively and consistently submit to authority, the good and the bad. You see, our culture does not value submission. Rather, it promotes individualism. Well, how purposely and actively do you work on submission to those whom God has placed as the authority in your life? Doing so is a good way to humble yourself. Well, let's go back to what Peter says. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and to the gentle, but also to the unjust. I think as you look at this particular passage, you can talk about the employer-employee relationship. Talking about that boss that is over you, that supervisor that's over you, that commander who is over you, you're to be subject to him or her with all respect. And now we don't just do it to the ones that are good leaders. We even do it to those who are unjust. This is how we actively gain humility. You have discovered how God teaches us humility. He brings into our lives what I would call EGR people. EGR, extra grace required people. You know, there are some church members at Hickory Ridge Community Church, and, and there's not a lot of them that are EGR people, but there's a few of them, right? And they teach me humility. I've learned to love them uh, because I realize that hurt people hurt people. And if you're dealing with somebody that's going through a lot of hurt, sometimes they're going to snap at you. It's kind of like if your dog ever got injured. And, and I remember one time, my dog did get injured, and and uh, and and he's a good-natured dog, uh, but he did snap at me one time, 
uh, because he was hurting. He, he didn't actually bite me. He just kind of, you know, and, and he realized as soon as he did it, what he was doing, and he stopped. And uh, and, and I, that poor dog was hurt. And so, you know, we don't get mad or hurt people, do we? We, we try to be patient with them. And, uh, and, and God sometimes uses these EGR people to teach us to submit to authority. Well, there's another way that God teaches us to, to be humble, and that is that we receive correction and we receive feedback from others graciously. You know, one pastor was noted for graciously receiving any negative kind of feedback or correction that was offered to him. He would simply say, thank you for caring enough to share that with me. I will pray about it. I'll get back to you. And sometimes I wish I could be that gracious. And I got to admit to you, sometimes I'm not because oftentimes my my tongue of mine gets going faster than my brain can keep up with. Uh, You know, when you think about as you are receiving correction and as you are given that feedback, are you receiving it graciously? Proverbs 10, 17 says, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads many astray. Proverbs 12, 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. You know, this is also teaching us perseverance as people come against us. You know, I think about how God uses people to encourage us to be humble, to teach us how to be gracious. I was reading the story about a cartoonist that got denied his publication 610 times. Uh, There's this cartoonist, and, and he was up to his neck in debt. He was directionless. He felt lost. Tom Toro moved back to his parents' house because he had slipped into a dark depression. But things started to change. When Mr. Toro went, and he went to a used book sale, and he went to uh, into this cell, and he found a big cardboard box that was filled with an old stack of the New Yorker magazines. He said, for some reason, I was just drawn to them. And I started ruffling through them and, and going through that whole box, and, and something just clicked, and I started drawing again. Toro decided to submit some of his cartoons to the magazine. Shortly after that, he received a reply. It was his first rejection note. A rejection note of many more still to come. Toro said the New Yorker found the way to most courteously and most briefly reject people. It's just beautiful. You feel so honored to receive it, and yet it's a brush off. Well, a year and a half later, Mr. Tory had a pile of rejection letters. This continued until Bob Mankoff, the cartoon editor at the New Yorker, gave Toro some honest and some specific feedback. Mankoff said he didn't see any joy in Toro's cartoons. So Toro threw everything that he had done up to this point, and he threw it away. And he sat down with a blank sheet of paper. Recalling Mankoff's advice, he tried to draw from the heart. He was still receiving rejection letters in the mail, but his cartoons were getting better. Toro was finding his style. And then one day he wandered into his office to check his email. He said, I went in there, logged in, and there sitting on the top of my inbox was an email. The subject line read, cartoon sold. It was the 610th drawing that Tori had submitted to the New Yorker. Oh, sometimes God teaches us persistence as we receive correction. 
Don't give up. In due time, you will reap a harvest if you don't faint. Keep on going. Keep on trying. And I think there's another way that God teaches us how to be humble. He teaches us that when we accept the lowly place, we will learn humility. If you find yourself wanting to sit at the head of the table, wanting others to recognize your contribution, or become offended when others are honored or chosen, then pride is present. You know, your purpose to support others being recognized rather than you. Accept and look for the lowly place. It is the place of humility. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm a people watcher. I watch people when I'm at the mall. I watch people when I'm at the church. I watch people when I'm driving. Uh, I watch people at different functions, uh, whether it be a church function or a community function. You know, what? Uh, one of the things I notice, especially if I'm with the same group of people over and over again, I notice who always goes to the front of the line. You know how you have those dinner on the grounds or you have uh, those events where you you have food. And, and uh, you know, most believers, you know, when we gather together, uh, you can count on something. Uh, when it's a time of celebration, man, there's going to be some food involved in that. Uh, when there's a, a time of recognizing somebody's uh, achievements, man, we're going to have some food for that. Uh, when it's a good time, there's going to be a food time. If there's a bad time, there's going to be a food time. I notice at all these events because we as believers, uh, it, it seems like if you're a Baptist, there's got to be a buffet involved in it somehow. And, uh, and so you always have these events with us food. Uh, and I always look, I said, who's always the first person to go in line? Uh, you, if you ever notice that, you're going to discover there's certain people that are always first in line to get the food. And then this year, there's others that are always waiting to the end. Accept a lowly position. You know, Benjamin Franklin gives us a wonderful lesson on humility. Uh, Benjamin Franklin vividly remembered a visit that he made as a young man to see a Puritan preacher. Uh, This Puritan preacher was a guy by the name of Cotton Mather, and the life lesson that Franklin learned was this. He said, Mr. Cotton was showing me out of his house one day, and there was a very low beam near the doorway as you exited his house. I was still talking when Mather began shouting, Stoop! Stoop! Not stop, stop, but stoop! Stoop! Franklin says, I didn't understand what he meant, and I banged my head on the beam. You're young, he said. You have the world before you. Stoop as you go through it, and you will avoid many hard thumbs. That advice has been useful to me. I avoided many misfortunes by not carrying my head too high in pride. Proverbs chapter 25, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in a place of greatness, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be lowered at the presence of a noble person. You see, accept the lowly person. Don't always be trying to step on other people so that you can be at the top of the pile. Realize that God wants to teach you humility in the position that he has placed you. Well, let's review real quickly what we've covered so far in the broadcast. And I hope you join me tomorrow for the second half of this broadcast. But if you want to be a person who is gaining humility, number one, you've got to routinely confess your sin to the Lord. Make it a weekly process. Make it even a daily or a moment-by-moment confession. Whenever you realize you've fallen into sin, you get a conviction for that sin, confess that sin. Confess your sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Number two, 
Acknowledge that sin to others. Realize that God places people in our lives, people that we can trust, people that we have confidence in. And James tells us to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Then you'll be healed. You see, that's where we get the righteous prayer of a powerful person. Listen, I want you to know that every sin that we commit in one form or another is related to pride. Pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Number three, take wrong patiently. You see, when somebody falsely accuses you or or somebody says something that is not true about you, take it patiently. Be of the same mind, says Peter, and don't repay evil for evil. And don't we have that tendency to do that? Oh, well, you lied about me, so let me tell this about you. Or let me gossip about you. No, no, turn away from evil and do good. God has a way of vindicating us at just the right time. Vengeance is mine, say the Lord, I will repay. And then number four, actively submit to authority, the good and the bad. Peter reminds us that servants, we should be subject to those who are over us with all respect, not just to the good ones, but also to the unjust ones. You know, I have really learned more from those people who have been over me that I didn't necessarily always agree with, the ones that I thought were sometimes harsh. Uh, Many years ago, uh, when we started Hickory Ridge Community Church, when I moved to this area, the Greater Hampton Roads area, we had no congregation. I had no money. uh, We had even no place to meet. I had no place to live. And so I had to get a job. I got a job as a salesman. You know, my sales manager, I tell you what, he was a tyrant. He told me the reason I wasn't a very good salesman is because I wasn't persistent enough. I said, well, I'm going to show this guy. And he says, well, if you make 10 calls a day, uh, you make this amount of money. But if you make 15 calls a day, you make this amount of money. If you make 20 calls, you make this amount of money. I said, you know what? I'm going to show him a thing or two. I'm going to make 25 calls a day. I went above the expectations. And, you know, within a, a, within a six-month period, I was the top salesman. I don't, don't, I'm not bragging on that. Uh, I was pushed on ahead because somebody says, you can't do it. Uh, you're not determined enough. I said, well, I'll show him. And maybe there's a little bit of pride in what I was doing, but I, but I want you to know that when we understand authority, we understand that, yeah, that many of us are being held back and we're never going to be over somebody because we're not willing to be under somebody. You must first learn to be a good follower before you can become a good leader. And great leaders understand that I must first be actively submissive to those that God has placed over me. And then number five, you must receive correction and feedback from others graciously. You know, ask yourself this question, Lord, what are you trying to show me through this? In Proverbs 10, 17, it says, whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof will lead others astray. And then number six, if you want to gain humility, accept a lowly place. You know, don't be striving to sit at the head of the table. You know, sometimes when I go to pastor's conference, and I think sometimes pastors have egos that they struggle with, and all of us, I think, struggle, but uh, sometimes I go to these conferences, and I'll talk to a pastor, and he's, and he's always looking for a bigger church. He's always looking for a bigger platform, always looking for a place, another place to preach. And I said, why don't you just accept where God has placed you? Well, why don't you realize that God has placed you right where you are, and, and he can allow you to blossom right where you are? You know, I decided many years ago, Hickory Ridge Community Church, I'm going to stay there when I feel like leaving. I'm going to stay there when I feel like leaving. 
I'm just going to stay there until the Lord moves me on. And then number seven, purposely associate with people of a lower state than you. Jesus was derided by the Pharisees for socializing with the poor and those of a lowly state. Our culture is very status conscious, and people naturally want to socialize upward. Well, resist that temptation of being partial to those with status or wealth. We're going to talk about this tomorrow, but Jesus in Luke chapter 7 says, you know, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table, and behold, there was a woman in that city, and she was a sinner. When she learned that uh, he was reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, she brought in an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and and she wiped them dry with her hair, and, and she kissed his feet and anointed him with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, man, if this guy were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Oh, join me tomorrow, and we're going to find out what happened to the rest of that story. Jesus was willing to associate with people of lower estate, and I hope that you are as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. If I can help you, shoot me a text at 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.